Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. It's the general consensus within the community that J Fashion is not a costume. We're wearing clothes and we're not playing any characters, except when we are. (laughs) While J Fashion is a lifestyle, it's not the only aspect of our lives, but it does pervade it. Many J Fashion enthusiasts participate in jobs, hobbies that are completely removed from J Fashion and mash them together to make something uniquely their own. Hobbies like sculpting, mathematics, and the subject of today's episode, LARPing, live action role-playing. This episode's topic may get some heat in particular, as it can validate the idea that J Fashion is a costume, but it's not the responsibility of us J Fashion enthusiasts to constantly educate those who are ignorant. We have the right to put J Fashion into whatever hobbies we please. To talk with us about the combination of J Fashion and LARPing, we're bringing on Jordana, our first episodes guest she's coming back the creator of moss badger it is so exciting when kamila posed this topic to me she was like oh jordana has like a cool thing about larping in j fashion we can talk about and i was like the jordana the Jordana that we did the first time? Like that one? And it was so exciting. (laughs) Ever since I've gone to Evermore wearing a combination, I guess, of Lolita, Pirate, and Irregular Chores Shoes. That's the the formula. (laughs) I've become like interested in the idea of LARPing and like, oh, I wonder if there's other people who are using like J Fashion for it, like Lolita and things like that. And during the J Fashion Noir panel that had the other indie designers, Jordana was on it. She started talking about her interest in LARPing and and that she wants to talk about it more. And I was just like, oh, I I got you. (laughs) We are both ginormous nerds if nobody knew this. Kamila is super into LARP in medieval times. I'm super into tabletop RPGs and story and world building. We're we're huge dorks. Yeah. So it was just as much of a like an informational tour for me, like just noting things in my head like, oh, yes, I'm going to look up this event and I'm going to. Okay, this is awesome. (laughs) There's all this information. So it's definitely a really insightful podcast into this world. She kind of like dispels kind of like the stereotype of LARPing of just like, oh, so they're in a park and they're hitting each other with foam swords. That's what that is. Um, (laughs) And then realizing it's this whole like sophisticated community and it's just like, oh, okay, there's so many things just like the J fashion community. (laughs) I will say there are some of those people within the community. As we discussed in the show, there are some of those communities that are running around in the park hitting each other with swords but it's not all the same. But I I really did have that original stereotype when I first got into LARPing. I've never actually done a LARP myself, but I definitely was about to when I was in high school. And then I realized, oh, this actually isn't feasible for me as a high schooler. Like, I can't do this right now. But when I was getting into it, I was like, oh man, it's gonna be a bunch of like weird cishet white dudes and I'm gonna be like the only AFAB person 
again and I'm gonna be like the they're all gonna hit on me and I don't like this I don't know and then I really got into the community and I was like oh shit no there's so many people of different races and genders and sexualities and I love this yeah, I went to Evermore just thinking like, oh, it's going to be really immersive and there's this game sort of aspect to it. And then when we got there, we realized, oh, wait, we're going to have to talk to the people like they're real and, and, and we have to be people. Are we ourselves or <laughs> who are we? <laughs> and it just was kind of like, oh, we're laughing. We're doing the thing. Yeah. So that was kind of like the first experience. And I was just like, oh, cool. I'd do this again. The closest that I ever got to LARPing was a Victorian fashion high tea that I went to when I was in high school. And like that wasn't even LARPing. It was just people like standing around and dancing and having fun. But the reason why I say that it's the clo my closest experience is because you could tell that there were some people there who were kind of in their own characters while at this high tea. Some people took it a little more seriously than others. Oh man, I'm having flashbacks. Like, I was a sophomore in high school, and there was this old man there, and like... He was really creepy. Like, he was high-key hitting on me, like, uh, a 15, 16-year-old in high school. But it was even weirder because it wasn't just like, like, hey, hey, little teenager, you wanna... Like, he was doing it through dance? <laughs> Before we get any deeper into this, why don't we head on over to our news and updates for this month? So we are slowly coming out of lockdown, uh, whether we like it or not at this point, in the middle of summer. And I hate it. And it's too goddamn hot for anything. And it's too hot to dress up. I've said before that my workplace does not have a uniform, so I can dress up in Fairy K whenever I want to. But it's too hot that I don't want to. And I hate it because I have so many ideas. What do you end up wearing? I usually just end up wearing, like jeans and a shirt because it's too hot and I don't want to put in any effort or energy to make myself look cute and I'm just like Ugh. oh man does your store have any like air conditioning or is it like stuffy in there we do have AC it's just a matter of like commuting specifically I have to wait for two buses and waiting in the sweltering heat and humidity is terrible and then sometimes when I commute home the sun setting heat is perfectly centered upon my body and it's terrible and I want to die every time. It's just absolutely horrendous. So I've gotten to a point where I just don't care and I throw on a t-shirt and jeans and I'm like, well, this is what it is today. Well, sometimes it'd be like that. You had a similar experience recently. Exactly. As you know, I have some Gadusa friends and so we discuss weeks in advance, like, okay, we're going to try to have a picnic in, like, Chinatown and Ping Tom Park. That park doesn't have so many people in it. And so we're just like, yeah, if we did a private gathering of just the people in the Gaudersa, that's just us. And we all know that we need to quarantine before that and after that. Smart. Very smart. Yeah, so um, with us knowing it weeks in advance, that wasn't too hard. And a lot of us don't have jobs that are outside of the home at this point. I made like this outfit and then it was just so humid. It felt like we were walking through just like 
a wall. And even trying to like take pictures and stuff, it just was not working. Felt like my makeup had melted off of my face. You try to look at like me and Raina specifically, we were like looking at our camera apps and stuff. And I'm just like, the filters are all weird. Just like, why is it's making us all red? It's picking up on some other color. Like you're just like, this isn't working. We were just like trying to be like photogenic, but it wasn't working. Like afterwards, we were just like, yeah, we just, that wasn't a good... picture day at all we still like enjoyed it as far as like eating and talking together we had like pre-packaged sandwiches just things that were already in bags but it was just way too hot I thought it was going to be hot in the dry way of like the sun being out but it was hot in the humid way and I was like oh that's way worse it's it's terrible it it makes you sweat like 10 times more and then you feel sticky and it's awful it's awful I am honestly admiring our uh, Texan comrades with how well they hold up in their Texan heat because, you know, we get summer here in Illinois for like a good couple months. It's all year round for them and it's more humid in Texas than it is in California. I just feel for y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I my complaining. I went and like almost died. It was just every time we would go out to walk to like another building that had like a different different sorts of events in there. Because I was a fashion guest, I'd be around other staff and they'd be just like handing out water bottles all the time. Just like, oh, you're going out somewhere? Here's a water bottle. I'm just like, why do I need a water bottle to just walk over to the other building? And then when I walked outside, I saw why. I'm just like, yep, I need this whole water bottle just to get <laughs> In conclusion, J fashion is not a summer thing. Nothing should be a summer thing. Uh, The world should just not do anything in the summer. We should just stop. It should just be swimsuit wear in the summer. Just like, yep, everybody's just constantly wearing swimsuits. Everyone should wear swimsuits. Nothing should be compulsory. You shouldn't have to do anything. Summer should be summer vacation for everyone, not just children. (sighs) But yeah, so it was way too hot. Especially since beforehand, I had just been wearing t-shirts and shorts. I have these shorts that have green sequins, and then I wear one of my colorful t-shirt things, and then I just wear that all the time. But then I feel like, man, I don't have enough shorts. I need more shorts now. I also feel like I need more big shirts. I feel like I have too many leggings and not enough tights. And leggings are just too much. They're too much to wear. But I have to wear something so I don't get chub rub on my thighs. So it's like, what do I do? I'm gonna die from sweat or I'm gonna die from chafing. Because it like sticks too much on your leg. Like I don't like feeling the legging too much. Yeah, it's too, it's too much of a layer. Yeah, and then like pajama wise, it's like I can't wear a full pajama set in my home right now. I have an apartment. We do not have central heat and air So it's like, okay, we have sectioned points of coolness in the home. So it's just like, well, we might as well just, again, swimsuits. I'm just like, I can't even wear like proper pajama sets. It's too hot. It's like, so big shirts. (laughs) It's terrible. But let's move away from the complaining and whining. (laughs) Let's, Let's go to some positivity. So in the positive realm, I have bought clothes and made some like outfits for Princess 
Ahoy! I don't know why I got this sudden burst of like inspiration and just like, oh, like, I want to buy clothes again. But maybe it's just like, just a phase of just like, I, I want to make these outfits. When are you going to wear them? I don't know. And so I bought a pink Lolita blouse off of Depop. I've just been Depop shopping, basically, that I'm glad fit me because the person in the photo seemed like they were similar size to me. And they were just like, hey, I can't even like button this thing up. But I was just like, oh, God. But it looked so cute that I was just like, I need to try. And it's not that much money. So I'll, I'll try. It is tight but it works really well with the pants that I got. They're pink pants, but it has like these, I guess it's like satin pattern on it, on the pants. And they're kind of like slacks where you would wear like heels or pumps under them rather than like kind of a low shoe because it's like loose at the bottom. Like I didn't buy the pink shirt for it. I kind of just always felt like I need a pink blouse to go with some of my other Lolita dresses, but it ended up going really well with the pants. And then it gave me the idea that I need to have at some point a custom made like pirate jacket or something because that would just bring it all together the hat that I have goes well with it and I'm just like I could just wear it like the blouse the pants the heels you know the hat and everything but a pirate jacket would really set it off and it would just be like a pants version of Princess Ahoy and I'm just like man she looks so demanding in this like oh yes less princess and more like I'm a pink pirate take me really seriously because <laughs> I have pants on. <laughs> we get to see a side of her that we don't usually see. Right, exactly. Like I felt like, oh, this is super cool. So I was really feeling myself in that. I got inspired by the shirt that you gave me for, I think that was, what, what was that? Christmas or birthday? You got me a shirt that was like pink, but it had all these like sort of cool varying size sequiny things on there that are like lots of different colors, like yellow and a lighter pink and maybe some like teal and stuff. And it was sleeveless and it just goes up and around the neck. It looked very much like I need to wear this with bell bottoms. And so I got some like fluorescent pink bell bottoms, polyester, also wow. through Depop vintage. So it was like, I was just like, oh yes. So now I have the pants, tried them on with the shirt. It looks great. Now I just got to get some platform sandal sort of like shoes just so it can give me the, the proper height needed to wear the pants and not step on them. But yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I can wear this. And I thought like at some point, I feel comfortable enough to go to a barbecue at some point in my life, like a family one. I'm just like, oh, I'm mature and colorful. I like it. I, I've always thought that like when I become, I don't know, middle aged, I don't know, um, when I grow up, I would get into wearing like more 60s or 70s stuff. That's very exciting. Now I have another style to look out for for you yeah. whenever I'm doing my <laughs> shopping at work. So it's so like, oh, like 60s, 70s stuff with like a decora flair. I enjoy it. <laughs> right now, a lot of fashion inspiration and fashion trends are being pulled from the 70s and 80s. So I think you have a lot of things to go off of right now which is very convenient and I want to see decora and colorfulness pulled into 
different styles, you know. We're pretty used to seeing the the harem pants with the t-shirt button-down baseball cap. I want to see more. I want more. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to bring it. So as far as virtual J fashion events go, I'm looking out for this one called Sea of Serenity taking place September 4th through September 7th. It's hosted by the Black Ribbon, another indie J fashion brand, and J Fashion On Demand, who um, also was involved with hosting um, J Fashion Noir. J Fashion On Demand finally has like a Facebook page now. So now there's something that you can like and follow with them. Here's their description of the event. Welcome to Sea of Serenity, our September 4th through 7th, 2020 online J Fashion event. This time we're partnering with J Fashion On Demand to bring you an even better experience than Ursa Major. Mark your calendar so you can start planning your coordinates, panel ideas, and get excited for those special brand releases. We have our tentative schedule ready for you and we'll begin filling it out as soon as we finalize our participating panelists and brands. So the themes and inspiration for Sea of Serenity is soothing, calming waves combined with a sunset by the sea that encapsulates the transition from summer to fall. I think there's gonna be a lot of things with like sea and mermaids and sailor outfits and pirates and sea life, or maybe you could take on the lunar aspect with like moon phases, night skies, other space themes, just like focus on all things serene. They're encouraging brands to do either special sales for that weekend or releases, maybe special gifts to come with an order placed during that time using a code or something like that. I'd like to be involved in this event, so I'm probably going to fill out the application form and stuff soon. I don't know what I will do brand-wise, I might just do like a sale or something like that just because though it is like an all J fashion event, it still has that that smell, that taste, that je ne sais quoi, <laughs> that is Lolita. And <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, okay, do I want to make a huge deal out of this? I'd like to do an, a new panel or something, maybe about mixing styles to kind of do something special for this event that I think will, you know, appeal to the people that are going to be looking into it and everything. Especially give me an excuse to dress up as Princess Ahoy, please. I think it's going to be a cool event, um, especially with the way that other J Fashion On Demand events have gone. So yeah, check it out. Very exciting. I'm suffering from this withdrawal of J Fashion. But I'm also like, do I have enough energy to get up and get dressed and do like a virtual meet? I don't know. We'll see. If you are going to have a panel, Kamila, and it's a day that I have free, I'll definitely be watching that. Most definitely. If it's a day I don't have off of work, I will be very sad. I think you can watch things afterwards. Ooh, yes. I would love that, but I'm very excited and we'll definitely keep all of you guys updated on whether or not Kamila gets into that, uh, gets that panel in. And then 
super exciting news for uh, the podcast. We have finally reached our Patreon goal of $45 a month. Uh, It's not a huge goal, but it's still super exciting because this means we finally have enough income to direct it towards both our SoundCloud platform fees and finally open our website. Yes, we're going to have a website like a professional podcast. I know, right? Like we're totally professional. We, we, I have a degree in this. <laughs> right. It, it perfectly lines up with you graduating and being like, oh, right, this is like new level yeah. of professionalism. So we are going to be brainstorming on that soon. It's going to be an awesome website. I can already tell because I have a bunch of ideas in my head. We are going to combine our powers of kawaii amazingness and (laughs) make it a wonderful time, a wonderful place to be on. And hopefully this will help our podcast to garner even larger numbers and continue to grow. Yeah, it's really exciting new venture. I've been uh, wanting us to have like a website since forever. This opens up the avenue for selling OK Podcast merch. It's going to be so great and it's very wonderful. And with that final announcement, we are going to get into this interview right after a quick mid-roll. Hey y'all, it's Hayden. It's Kamala. We talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to the show. Woo! And welcome back. Today we are talking with Jordana. Jordana has been a member of the J Fashion community since 2008, and she has been designing Lolita fashion and accessories under the brand name Moss Badger since 2011. She started attending LARPs in 2019 after learning about them on YouTube and realizing her Lolita wardrobe could be repurposed for role play costuming. With 2020 events mostly canceled, she plans to attend as many events as possible next year as soon as it's safe. <laughs> we, uh, we're all having withdrawals now and we need to get our fix once everything comes back on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that year is going to look like. Just everyone calling in for vacations at the same time. Just like we need a year of vacation. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Hi, Jordana. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good myself. Today is my first day of my weekend, so that's always exciting. But I, I never truly have a weekend, and I have a very packed day. Kamila, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Oh, I got my license yesterday, so I'm officially a licensed driver of Chicago in a park. <laughs> 
Very exciting. Congratulations. So our listeners may remember Jordana from our very, very, very first episode, which it's very exciting to have you back. I love always rounding that stuff out and also gives me a chance to prove my skills and how far I've come along in editing. Getting into our first question, Jordana, when and how did you first get into J Fashion? Uh, Again, we've talked about this before, but we have had a lot of new listeners. So please, let's uh, review. Yeah, my first exposure to J Fashion is that I used to buy a lot of British music magazines and just browsing the like international magazine section at like the record store because this would have been like in the 90s because <laughs> I'm old. Um, I also found like Japanese fashion magazines. Uh, I mostly was buying the kind of general J fashion magazines like Cutie and Kira, which was called Kerouac back then. And I also came across the first issue of the Gothic and Lolita Bible. But at the time, I wasn't really interested in Lolita. It was more of a curiosity for me. Um, And it was a few years later that a friend of mine, uh, I also collect Blythe dolls, and a friend of mine was, uh, had traveled to Japan to participate in a contest. And the judges for the contest were actually Novala and one of the designers from Baby. I don't pronounce Japanese well, but I think her name is Kumiko Uehara. They, I was really into Vivian Westwood and they all had like rocking horseshoes and I was really taken by what they were wearing. And I recognized it as being from the Bible, but it was kind of like, oh, well, if I get these like crappy knockoff Vivian Westwood rocking horseshoes from eBay, then I could wear it with Lolita. And, you know, I stopped wearing those a long time ago, but I did eventually get real rocking horseshoes. <laughs> I started into it around 2007-2008, and I was really into making my own stuff because I couldn't really find stuff from Japan that fit me because I'm plus size. And also, I just already had an interest in textile design, so I liked making my own prints and silk screening and designing fabric and buying like weird printed fabric. And then that turned into making my own stuff, which then sometimes friends would want me to make things for them. And I participated in like an anime convention fashion show. And then it was like, well, why don't you make things for other people? And so that's how I launched my brand. It sounds like it's the very OG Lolita story. Uh, You did have an earlier discovery of it than other people. I really am envious of that. Like, you really were able to see the height of Lolita, the height of sweet, and the height of printed content. And that is, uh, it's mind-blowing to me because I was never able to get my hands on that. And I also just love hearing you refer to it as the Bible. I don't think I've ever heard anyone refer to GLB as the Bible. And this is giving me lots of inspiration for drawings. And I'm very excited. Yeah, it's kind of funny because recently one of my friends, Megan, who like, I swear she's like the librarian, like the source of a lot of knowledge. And she had just bought a ton of old magazines from Japan and she was going through them. Because I I still have some of those issues of Cutie and Kira that are really old. And like, I pulled some of them out because I think I'm just going to send them to her, honestly, because like, I don't know why I still have them. I'm kind of a hoarder and I just need to let it go because I don't really reference them anymore. But I did go look through them and it is cool to see some of the really early ads because those magazines didn't focus as much on Lolita it felt like it was still more of a curiosity. Like everyone at that point seemed like they were really into wearing vintage dresses with jeans underneath. And everyone had this kind of like orangish hair color. It was just really strange to like 
go back and look at like that was what was trendy at the time and it was a lot of like um cute sportswear type stuff there was this uh, american designer he mostly did um his logo was like this monkey oh like the chimp thing yeah yeah i remember that it would be like that character on a shirt in like the junior sections and stuff at like jc penny's or some department store i have it i have the character on my screen well what is it called monkey business paul frank paul frank paul frank yeah because like ironically like a little bit later this is kind of an a tangent but um before i even got into lolita so this would probably have been it would have been the late 90s i kind of wanted to be a designer hadn't gone to school for it but you know i was sort of like interested in it and i had the opportunity to go to this trade show in vegas and i was in the paul frank booth and i'm talking to this guy And I'm talking about how much I love their stuff and how influenced by Japanese pop culture it was. And we started talking about Cutie Magazine. And then I looked at his name tag and I was like, it's really weird that his name tag says Paul Frank on it twice. Oh my goodness, that is Paul Frank. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of the stuff in those old magazines is more like sporty, I guess, and not as much Lolita. Even I mean, of course, Lolita then didn't look like it looks now. But you do see kind of the inklings of it. Like you see somebody wearing Vivian Westwood or Jane Marple. And you do see like the old square dancing dresses, like vintage stuff being worn in like an early proto Lolita coordinate. And it's really cool to see that stuff. That's, you know, at least this point, it's almost 20 years old. Especially since old school is making a big resurgence right now. I'm really excited to be able to live that vicariously in a more modern time. And you were talking about jeans under dresses, and I recently had that urge. I I was like, you know, I want to put something under this dress, but I don't want to wear leggings. should I wear my jeans? And then I like had a flashback to like my middle school days of wearing jeans under dresses because it was against the dress code. And I was like, no, I cannot go back, never again. And I quickly put the idea away and I'm never touching it, never ever. Yeah, I did that. The jeans under skirts, that was like my jam. So how would you describe your current style um, coming from that beginning? Um, It's funny because at various points in my Lolita history, I have tried and failed to narrow it down to one style. (laughs) I don't try anymore because it's, it's, I like too many different things. I think what I'm known for with, with Moss Badger is maybe a mix of gothic and classic and maybe witchy kind of feeling or sometimes it gets to these sort of like I mean it's named Moss Badger after you know Redwall and Wind in the Willows type stuff so the little sort of British woodland animals kind of feeling so I try to do a lot of Victorian kind of clip art and like I hate the word whimsical but that would probably describe it but my personal style is a little bit more all over the place. Like my Lolita style has kind of settled into mostly gothic because I went through a wardrobe purge recently and I got rid of a lot of stuff. And so what I have left is mostly black, but I still constantly buy sweet accessories. And my non-Lolita wardrobe has become extremely colorful and I've been very interested in a lot of 60s influenced fashion. Wow. I was super into that back in the day. I remember the moments where you were talking to me about like rockabilly and possibly going into like 
fifties and stuff style dresses and was that just like a phase you like were just like, oh, okay, I wanna like experiment with this and then you're just like, okay, I'm into the sixties now. So as background, like I was super into the sixties, like in college, I was a mod, I wore a lot of vintage clothes, I had a zine about it, I was like really into that and I'm still into the music and like the design of that. I've never stopped being into that. I just kind of stopped dressing like that. It's just sort of like that style is sort of optimized for a different body type than what I have. So it's always been a bit of a battle between like finding things that fit me and I feel comfortable in and the sort of rockabilly style, even though it's kind of the opposite of my taste, (laughs) the silhouette sort of matches my comfort level better. So what I figured out recently is that a lot of the sort of modern rockabilly and neo-vintage kind of brands are some of the only brands that cater to a plus size market that do kind of creative prints and colors. So I kind of found a niche of things from those kind of places. So I would talk like maybe Collective or Hell Bunny or some of those brands, finding things made by those brands that weren't the stereotypical rockabilly stuff. Cause like, I really dislike a lot of that, like kind of black and white with a cherry on it, typical rockabilly stuff. But then I started finding things that were either, they would either have a vintage print, but wasn't like a typical rockabilly print, or they would just be colorful basics. And then I could mix those with my Lolita accessories and some of my Lolita pieces and kind of come up with this mishmash of like colorful sort of retro, but not specifically rockabilly. And I don't know what it is, but it seems like some of those brands have started to dip into the more mid 60s kind of style. And I have been able to find more things that kind of go in that direction. And my current favorite brand is a brand called Big Bud Press. Oh, yes, I love Big Bud. Yes, I love them. And I have bought so many things from them. And That's like really hits the sweet spot of my aesthetic, which is like becoming increasingly kind of like obnoxious rainbow, but (laughs) um, (laughs) which like as a person who has been and still is at various points in my life, consider myself goth. It's kind of like hilarious to me that like I now have entire outfits that don't have any black in them. But, you know, I, I might be going through a phase and that's fine. That's valid. If I am going through a phase, it's totally fine. So, but yeah, I've been trying to be more consciously like mid 60s in my style, which to get back to our eventual subject kind of was influenced by a LARP I went to actually, funny enough. But yeah, so I'm my personal style is kind of a mix of if you've ever seen the movie The Love Witch, there's a scene where she is wearing, and it's, which is a weird movie because it's not set in the 60s, but stylistically it's very vintage. And there's a scene where she talks about bringing this person the rainbow and she's wearing like this black dress and like a jacket thing and she opens the jacket up and the lining is rainbow and I feel like that's me. Basically like sometimes I'm wearing all black but there's sort of this rainbow hiding on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's just all goths. (laughs) There's this rainbow hiding on the inside. (laughs) Some of my goth friends definitely do not have a rainbow hiding inside. But that's That That is also valid. Like that is fine. Kamila's only had contact with two goths, me and Jordana. <laughs> that's all she knows. I know, right? <laughs> it's like that's that's the the rainbow side, the decor side, thinking like everybody's got a rainbow on the inside, right? <laughs> Some people have a rainbow that is like black and various shades of gray. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> 
So how yeah. did you first get into LARPing coming so from I knew that, what LARP uh, was or I thought I did? Um, 60s, it turns um, out that what I thought it was is kind of like had. a stereotype that isn't really that, true. Uh, and it's probably what most people think of when they hear about LARP, which LARP stands for live action role play. And there was like a like a gif or like a video a few years ago of a bunch of like guys running around in the woods yelling lightning bolt and like throwing stuff at you. And that's what people probably think of. And like some of LARP is that and that can also be fun, but that didn't particularly interest me as a person who like isn't very outdoorsy or very, you know, physically active, like running around outside is not ever my first choice of a fun activity. And I, I knew of other LARPs, like I remember in college, people were really into this LARP called Vampire the Masquerade. I was interested in it at first because, you know, again, goth, right? But like, there was always like a weirdness about some of the people in my area at the time who played it that kind of was like off-putting to me. It just seemed like a lot of skeezy dudes like trying to mack on people. and Like that wasn't really what I was interested in. So I didn't really have like a great view of LARP, but I also like in hindsight didn't really understand it. And I think I think some people have a negative view of it because they don't really understand how many different versions of LARP there are and how it can be a lot more varied than maybe people think. So my first exposure, recent exposure to LARP, like many people in Lolita fashion, I watch a YouTuber called Lovely Lore. And she at some point had a guest or a collaboration. Um, and she had done a video with a YouTuber called Momo O'Brien. YouTube started suggesting me uh, Momo's videos. And Momo at that point, and this was like maybe the end of 2018-ish. And she was going to a lot of LARPs. And that was like one of the focuses of her YouTube channel. So I started watching her videos. And then that in turn suggested other YouTubers who did LARP. And I came across uh, videos by someone named Kaza Marie, who at that time was going by the name LARP Girl. And Kaza had gone to some LARPs that really seemed up my alley. She had gone to one where it was set in like the 17th century and it was like settlers and there was like a witch trial. And, you know, the one that really, just to skip ahead a little bit, the one that really caught my attention was called Armistice Arcane. And it was set in kind of a Victorian Edwardian like alternate time where there's magic. And it was about a bunch of magical people coming together and working out like a like a peace deal because they had been at war with each other and there were all these different factions. And it was in a fancy hotel in New Orleans. And I was like, this sounds fun. Like I get to be fancy and I would get to pretend to be like this magical person. Like that sounded awesome. Another kind of genre of LARP that I knew about more recently is the concept of going to like a wizard school, like a Harry Potter Hogwarts type situation. And I knew that there was this big one in Europe and one of my friends had gone and she basically did not have a good time and was like very adamant about how it was like a terrible idea to go. And she felt, you know, kind of unsafe, maybe more emotionally than physically, but she didn't have a good time. And she was really concerned. And so when I said something about how I was like, yeah, this looks really cool. I really want to go to a LARP. And she was like, I don't know. I had a really bad time. People are doing all sorts of weird stuff and this and that. And there was also a third uh, YouTuber that I was watching, LARP House. So I had found Momo O'Brien, Kaza Marie, LARP Girl, and LARP House. And one of the things that these three YouTubers specifically were talking about was kind of the safety mechanics at some of these games. 
and making sure that there were rules in place and kind of mechanics in place to help the player stay safe and how important that was. So I kind of felt like, oh, well, maybe like if it's a good LARP, they will have something in place to help avoid some of these situations like how my friend had gotten into. So that made me feel more like maybe I should try this out. And like, I kind of just needed a new thing. I had something kind of sad happen in my life and I needed like a new thing to look forward to. And I looked on the website for this Armistice Arcane. It's a three-part game and it happens once a year. And that the game that Cosa Marie had attended had been become so popular that they were doing another run. So the video I saw was part one of like the first run, but they were starting a new run. And it was like, at that point, maybe it wasn't quite a whole year away, but it was at least six months away. So I, I bought a ticket, you know, and I got involved. I kind of had to get pushed a little bit. I saw also some like a video or a Twitch stream of some people playing D&D. And I also kind of started playing D&D around the same time. And again, it was a lot of these same people who make these YouTube videos. Someone I had met through uh, Lolita Fashion, whose name is Fabienne, who was involved in that Twitch stream. And it kind of was like, wow, this seems like a really cool community. And there was somebody in the chat of the Twitch stream who was interested in going to Armistice Arcane and that kind of like pushed me to do it. So um, at that point I signed up for Armistice Arcane and I also signed up for a second LARP called Bee and Spora, which was a wizard school LARP. And Armistice Arcane was happening in um, either June or July and Bee and Spora was happening in like October or November. I was so excited about this that I immediately signed up for two LARPs and I was like, I can't like sign up for any more before I even go to one. So yeah, that's how I found out. I'm kind of like getting past the original question, but that's how I found out about LARP through YouTube. That you really just dived into it. Because especially with Armistice, like the the setting was like this sort of Victorian-esque kind of thing. And I was immediately like, well, I could probably wear like Lolita stuff or at least maybe not like the full dress, but I have a lot of like really nice accessories that I don't get to wear as often as I would like because they're kind of a bit much for just an average meetup. But like I have really nice kind of Edwardian hats and like really cool like jewelry and stuff. And I could probably through a combination of like things I have and I can sew so I could make stuff you know so I was really excited about the costuming like that's how I got sucked in the costuming (laughs) that's so cool though like getting into this like world and everything and actually like going somewhere for it even though you know the magic and everything isn't real but the the process of like okay I'm getting a ticket I'm like signing up for this thing and then you're going to an environment where everybody's like on agreeance upon like what the story is and that there is magic or whatever the fantastical part of it could be you know it does feel like you're going to a magical world you know it's like going to Disney World you know like the the characters and the suits and stuff aren't real but because everybody's in agreement in this place (laughs) it feels like you know more real (laughs) yeah and for me as like a more visually oriented person the the suspension of disbelief the immersion was important to me and I want to state that there are LARPs where immersion is not as important and I want to say that that's also valid because for a lot of people they get really hung up on the immersion 
But one of the things about LARP that's not great is how there can be a lot of barriers to participation for people. And I tend to be attracted to these LARPs that are called blockbuster LARPs, which means that it's usually over the course of a weekend and it's kind of a destination. So like Armistice Arcane, you go to a hotel, you stay there for the weekend, it's really fancy and nice and that's expensive. And having all these costumes can be very expensive. And there are LARPs that are not as focused on those aspects and those are also valid because not everybody can afford to go you know and I can only afford to maybe go to like two a year if I really stretch so I understand and I want to just emphasize that because a lot of times especially with learning about these LARPs through YouTube kind of seeing how dazzling it is and everything and seeing all these fancy things it's like you know there are other options too and those are also really fun so I just wanted to say that to make sure that I'm not like making it sound like this is the only like way to LARP or the only good way to LARP. That's understandable. I would almost feel intimidated that being like my first like LARP experience, like being around a bunch of people who are like, I would feel like at a blockbuster LARP there, there would be the professionals of LARPing, you know, and then I'd be going there like, oh, So I feel like it's definitely needed, that variety of of levels, so you can, you know, find yourself and your, like, level of play you want to do. Yeah, for sure. It it did help that a lot of people at Armistice and Bianswara were new to LARPing. So I didn't feel like, you know, I was the only new person and they were very helpful and welcoming. And most games that are, you know, good will, in addition to having like a statement about safety and mechanics, that they will have kind of like, like a meeting kind of thing beforehand where everybody gets together and can learn how to play essentially like, and it depends on the game, but usually it's a mixture of either hand signals or kind of things that you can say like red, yellow, green to let your other players know like where you're at in the role play. So if you're okay with the situation as it is, if you're okay with escalating it, because you know, It can be really hard, even if you're in character and you're pretending to be somebody else, if somebody's yelling at you, it can set off some emotional stuff that is hard to deal with. So you might not want to get yelled at, (laughs) even if it's fake. So, you, you know, there are ways for you to signal to the other person to be like, hey, this is fine right now, but don't add to it. Or, hey, this isn't fine and I need to take a break. A good game will have things in place. Like um, at Armistice, there's a room you can go to if you need to take a break. There's a person there to talk to. Because a lot of this stuff can be very emotional and not everybody can deal with it as easily as everybody else. Or you just might need to just take a break and be by yourself. Or, you know, you might need to be reassured. Um, There's also a lot of games will have at the end of the game kind of a decompression session where you can talk to people and kind of meet them as the person, not as the character. And kind of if you need that reassurance of like, hey, when you yelled at me in the game, you person aren't actually mad at me person that was just like a player thing, you know, just stuff like that, because that's super helpful. And a lot of this stuff is optional, but in the moment you can get caught up in it. So like, I had a thing happen at my first armistice where, you know, I had dealt with a death in my personal life, a death of my partner, and like my character dealt with the death of her partner. I was kind of given the the option to 
opt in or out of that, you know, and I kind of had to give myself a moment to be like, am I okay with being present for this scene? Do I need to go take a brain? Like, okay, I'm good. And I also cry very easily. So I was kind of like, am I okay with crying in front of these people? Because like, it's a fake emotion, but they're real tears. I had the presence to kind of go through that on my own, but it was good to know that there would be somebody there to talk to if I needed like a little bit of help, like dealing with that. As someone who does, uh, I wouldn't really call D&D the way I experience it, like live action role play. I would just call it like live role play. Like I'll, I'll call it loop instead, just because it's like not as like physically based as like these blockbuster LARPs are. It's very much just us sitting around a table and yelling in character voices. But as someone who experiences that every week, you really do get in touch with these characters. As you grow fond of your own characters and the ones that you are playing with, you really do feel their emotions a lot more intensely than I think anyone really expects you to, especially if you're like very empathetic like I am. I've genuinely cried during D&D sessions just because like my character in game would be crying here and I'm just so in character that I'm gonna start crying here and it is what it is. At that point, people are like, hey, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm fine. Stop. Don't, don't stop. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is a thing um, called bleed, which is a term for when like your emotions or, you know, things with your character bleed into your everyday life. And it can be, it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. You know, going through that experience of this like fictional death was actually kind of cathartic for me. And like going forward, because this is a three-part game, it's kind of interesting that I can play with how this character deals with that death going forward. Because in real life, you know, I had to kind of keep going and get my act together. But this fake person, she could get into some dark stuff. She could start doing, you know, fake drugs. She could start worshiping the devil. I mean, who knows? I could really, you know, play with like sort of all of the things I couldn't do in real life, you know, that she could do. And it could also be a positive thing in terms of like, that character is extremely wealthy. <laughs> and so it was kind of funny, especially being my first experience with live action role play. I didn't really... So for Armistice, it, every game is different. Some games, you create your own character. At Armistice, they write you a character, but you have input as far as, you know, they ask you some basic questions about, you know, what kind of role play you're looking for, things you aren't wanting to deal with and you know being new I was like I'm up for whatever I'll do anything you know I didn't know first you get kind of a blurb and then later closer to the actual game you get more information and they write very detailed characters for you not every game because I had kind of a different experience with B and Spora but um they give you your interactions with your your connections with other characters and sort of like some optional goals because you call it a game but it's not like there's a winning or a losing. It's just sort of like a story that you're telling. But in order to kind of move the story forward, it might help you to have something to push towards. So like a goal or like an interaction that you're trying to get to. You might have kind of an enemy or a friend or a lover, or in my case, this character who was killed off. Uh, one of my character goals was to determine what kind of relationship I had with this person 
were they like a brother to me or were they like a you know a significant other like a romantic interest and going in I was like oh yeah I'm totally fine with whatever romantic role play whatever and then I got there and I was like I don't know how to like I don't know how to flirt in real life why did I think I knew how to flirt and pretend so I kind of never really made a decision and what ended up happening is that the player of that character couldn't play so they replaced the player with like a staff person so I figured out fairly early on that they're going to kill this character off because like they're not going to kill somebody off without the player's like consent but this person is like not you know they are staff so they could just be like yeah we're killing you off so like even though I hadn't decided what the nature of the relationship was it would have still been a close relationship so that was why it kind of didn't matter which close relationship it was. But that was like an example of like a character goal. Fast forwarding to more recent times, I actually ended up going back to Armistice Arcane and playing the other run. So I ended up playing in part three of the run that I saw on YouTube because they actually had some spots open. And given that this is a game that you only get to play once a year, I was like, how do I get another crack at this? Like, how do I sneak into something, get some extra? Which, given everything that happened, I'm super glad I got to do, because that was in January of this year. So I did get to go to a LARP in 2020, which is, like, super lucky. So, and so for that one, I had a completely different character, because the sort of the skeleton of the story would have been the same. But everything is determined by the player choices. So by the time you got to part three so many things had been determined by what the players did that when we get to part three of the other game, it's not going to be, you know, most of it will be totally different. So a lot of the characters are still there, but they're played by different people who are making different choices. So yeah, the, the different sort of additions of that story, like getting a chance to see some of the same characters in the same story from a different perspective was like super cool getting to interact with some of these characters that I saw on YouTube and getting to meet Kaza and get to be friends with Kaza and like get to meet some of these people. Also at Bean Spora, there were a bunch of the YouTubers there and I got to meet them and like, that's super awesome. So how do you intermix J fashion into these characters? Like, did you like start off right off the bat being like, oh, I'm going to mix in my J fashion styles or were you like a little hesitant towards doing that? For Armistice Arcane, since it was set in like a, it's set in the 1890s, um, it was super easy for me to incorporate some of my Lolita stuff. Um, the first time I went, I was playing a character who was extremely well off and fashionable. So of course I was going to wear, you know, my Cloudberry Lady hat that I spent a lot of money on and I don't get to wear that often. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of blouses and accessories and things like that. And it was also really funny because I actually recognized one person at the game who I had seen at Paradiso. <laughs> <laughs> who wears OG and was where and incorporated OG into his character and also another person who totally clocked it wasn't even like during the game it was like I just was wearing a random angelic pretty necklace at the sort of meetup beforehand and he was like I see your AP I'm totally wearing Moitier during this game and I was like oh okay I think there's like they're just you know people who are maybe drawn to J fashion for the sort of showier aspects of it might also be drawn to the costuming and thus are into LARP you know so um because there was also a character at or not a character there was a player at Spora who based her character on wearing a Lolita coordinate like she was a Lolita vampire and it was like super awesome I didn't really feel any worries about, because like, I know for Lolita especially, there's often a 
worry about having something being perceived as a costume. Um, I don't particularly worry about that quite as much because I've had people come up to me if I'm out in the world wearing Lolita and they say nice costume and assuming that they're not saying it like sarcastically like nice costume then I just take the compliment because like they don't necessarily understand that it's not a costume and if they're just trying to tell me that they like what I'm wearing then that's fine like you don't we don't need to have the whole explanation it's it's fine like I just take it and keep on going I don't necessarily see costuming as lesser than anything else. And maybe it's because I had a background of interest in historical costuming and we call it historical costuming, but often we're just trying to replicate historical clothing. So I don't necessarily have the negative association with like costuming. So it didn't really worry me. And as far as I was concerned, like I spent a lot of money for this stuff. The more times I can wear it, the better. So like if this is a way for me to get more wearing out of my things that I bought, then that's, that's just a bonus, you know? Yeah, I can identify with that last reasoning of just like, I want to wear more my things more often. But, (laughs) you know, I don't have like too many opportunities to, you know, break out the the super fancy expensive thing when I'm doing like daily errands and things like that. I totally feel that because I don't wear Lolita very often. But I still do have like an interest in the clothing. And I'm just like, when would I wear this? And having some more like events or something thing to go to to kind of say like well this is when I will specifically be wearing these items is uh pretty like convenient I guess I don't know yeah um so like I said I got sort of interested in LARP through the costuming and so for me like the process of character creation is very visual like I kind of start with what does this person wear before I might even get into like, what is their personality or what are their motivations? So for Armistice being Victorian, it was, you know, very Lolita influenced, but for my main, I'm going to say my main character for the character that I will be playing multiple times, it definitely was based in more of a historically, well, not totally historically accurate, but trying to aim for like an idealized version of what like a rich lady would wear in the 1890s, but keeping it affordable to my budget and incorporating things I already had. My other Armistice character that I got to play the one time where I had a little bit of a stricter budget as far as money and time was really like, how can I make things I already own work for this character. So it was kind of like some recycled pieces that I had made for the first character. And then also just some straight up Lolita. Like my one outfit was pretty much a Lolita outfit with like a little bit of extra stuff on it. My Bean Spora character. So Bean Spora was a wizard school. And a lot of the people who were going seemed like they were taking this, and there's nothing wrong with this. I don't mean this in a disparaging way. But a lot of people seem like they were taking this as an opportunity to kind of play with being like gothy and witchy in a way that would just, if I did that, it would just be like wearing normal clothes that I would wear on it any day. <laughs> like, cause like I said, I'm kind of half rainbow, half goth. So it's like, <laughs> I could also just wear my like cat coven t-shirt and be like, hi, this is me. And that I need to be a little bit more intentional with my costuming to help kind of keep the separation between me the person and this character I'm playing. So me showing up to wizard school in some vaguely gothic witchy thing is just too close to me as a person. So I made this very conscious decision 
to play with the tropes of like a 60s, 70s kind of sexy witch. <laughs> I actually based the character on Endora from Bewitched and the Love Witch. Yeah, I was playing the astrology teacher. So I made sure that my wardrobe was very 60s style and the game was set in current times. And I just basically made my character a hundred and some years old so that the idea was that she was like young in the 60s and she just kind of that was her style and she just kept it forever after that you know my wardrobe was very like you know 60s dresses and like really colorful shoes and trying to play with this kind of like psychedelic zodiac kind of thing and that was what I was referring to when I was saying that like my current wardrobe has influenced by that because you know I bought some really cool stuff for that character and I'm just gonna keep wearing it even though I'm not playing that character and people really responded well to like when I showed them photos of like, oh, this is what I wore. And they're like, why don't you just wear that all the time? And I was like, yeah, why don't I just wear that all the time? <laughs> I mean, that's almost like, you know, gay fashion in general. So it's like, wait, why don't I just wear what I want all the time rather than just like admiring like, oh, this one time I wore this for this event because it like feels like a costume. But then like, why not make your costume your regular clothes, too, if you want so you talked about creating your characters with a design or like a style of dress for them first and foremost. How does using that type of creation, that character creation, develop your character acting skills and the way that you uh, verbalize, the way that you physicalize yourself in character? I feel like my sort of role play skills are still very beginner level. It's definitely been helpful to go to more games and also to play tabletop roleplay games. I play Pathfinder. Well, it originally was a Pathfinder game, which is similar to Dungeons and Dragons if you're not familiar with it. And as we've gone into quarantine and we've been playing remotely, we've been experimenting with other games. So we've played, I can't remember the name of it, but one of them was more like an investigation game. It was very like Cthulhu type stuff. Like we were investigating like cults and stuff. And then we also played a game called Glitter Hearts, um, which I'm actually running, and that's been a whole experience. That sounds nice, Glitter Hearts. Well, so Glitter Hearts, so there's a there's a mechanic called, or a game system called Powered by the Apocalypse. You basically only use the six-sided dice um, instead of, you know, with D&D, you use like all the different shaped ones. And there's a game called Monster Hearts, which I'm also playing with a bunch of people I met at the Wizard School LARP. <laughs> Which is also really cool because since everyone's LARPer is like, there is some level of like people wearing kind of a costume, even though we're just playing on like Facebook Messenger. And it doesn't... Oh my God, my husband would love this. He he loves just like, oh, and my character would wear this. And it's just like, oh, but we're just playing on this board. Yeah, we're okay. constantly like um, <laughs> using those um, those doll creator things. We're always using those to make them of our characters. A bunch of us bought like the LED lights that change color because in the game at one point we went to hell. <laughs> so a bunch of us changed our lights so that we had red lights while we were in hell or like we're dorks. So but it's very fun and it's really fun to explore because again I'm really visual and I like costumes so like an excuse to wear a wig while I play this game is like awesome. But um, Glitter Hearts is similar to Monster Hearts which is kind of like teenagers who are all some kind of monster or mythical creature like my character's a witch um, there's a character who is a ghost 
there's a character who's a vampire and they're all in high school and like their interactions with each other and glitter hearts is similar, but you're all magical creatures or magical girls or magical boys or magical superheroes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that's the game I'm running and we've only played it twice so far. I think it's going to be a three or four part game. So like, this is very recent. Like we played part two last weekend <laughs> and the experience of running a game has been super helpful for my role play skills because one of the things I always struggle with is like doing a voice and having to run the game and having to play the NPCs that have to give them voices. When you're telling a story and you want to, you know, change your voice because you're changing the character. And I realized I was doing it and I wasn't like scared like I was when I usually play. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe I'm getting a little more comfortable with this. So that's been a really, you know, as as a beginner player and a beginner, you know, GM, like game master or whatever, it's been super yeah. helpful to have that experience. And it's helpful that I'm playing with people who I've been playing with for a year and they know I'm just starting and they're very like forgiving of my mistakes, like when I mess up the mechanics or whatever. And I think they're all having fun. So Okay, so what I'm hearing is more like start playing like, you know, role playing games. You don't have to start with like, okay, now I have to go to Armistice and, you know, just start playing games with friends. I kind of dived into the deep end by going to this like big war, but that's kind of just how I am. Like I kind of have to force myself to go all out if I'm going to do it at all, but that's definitely not the only way. There's definitely smaller LARPs. There's different kinds of LARPs. You know, not every LARP is a blockbuster LARP. There definitely are people running around in the woods shouting lightning bolt and that's totally fun if that's what you want to do and a lot of those LARPs might be less about the character and role play and more about like the physicality of it and that's also another way people like to play so like you know hit points and weapons and stuff there's different ways to kind of engage with this set of hobbies and you don't have to spend a lot of money to jump into some crazy weekend like at a hotel to to get involved all right awesome so like how do you think J Fashion helps shape the lore of the world in the game? Like, say, with the games that you're heading with just regular, like, role-playing, like, do you feel like J Fashion has, like, influenced some part of that? Yes and no. Like, you know, it's one of those things, especially when people just start out with Lolita, sometimes they have this idea that they need to, like, put on a different personality when they're dressed up. Mm-hmm. And I think that a little bit of that makes sense. Like, you know, if I am normally wearing much more casual clothes, maybe, you know, this is totally not true of myself, but say somebody (laughs) is used to wearing pants and then they put on a Lolita dress, they might need to like walk differently or sit differently or just be mindful of like how they carry themselves because, you know, you don't want to necessarily be flashing your bloomers at people. Or you just might need to be more careful because you're wearing something expensive you don't want to ruin. So maybe like... (laughs) You know, I used to have this habit of like when I would wash my hands, sometimes I would just like wipe them on my pants when I back when I wore jeans all the time, you know, and that's not really something you want to do if you're wearing like a $350 dress. I'm not saying that you would never ever make changes to how you carry yourself. And if you feel more comfortable putting on a little bit of a different personality, like, you know, everybody's going to make different choices. Definitely for me, when I'm in J fashion, like I'm still just me. I still talk about the same, you know, silly things I talk about. I still make inappropriate comments sometimes. So it's not like I'm portraying a different character just because I'm dressed up. And I think that with LARP, you definitely are portraying a different character. And that character could be based on yourself, but I definitely have to be more mindful of 
even how I'm moving, if that makes me feel like I'm more in character or how mm. I'm talking. Because again, I have issues with doing voices and accents and stuff like that. But even just talking faster or slower than normal or pitching your voice a little higher or lower than normal can still help you feel like you're in character. But yeah, for me, the connection has mainly been using the stuff for costume pieces, but also kind of just that whole like engaging with a community, finding a group of people that are excited about something that you are interested in and how cool that is and having to look forward to like spending time with them. And like, even if that's virtually, you know, now it's sort of like I found another home, a community, you know what I mean? I always like to think about um, world building, especially. And I feel like for me, time periods and where the fashion is set during whatever game I'm playing really does help influence how I play a character. And especially when those, um, when like fashion and aesthetics clashes with, let's say, industrialization of a world or the religious characteristics of a world. Right now I'm playing a game where the like clothing aesthetics is very jazz era, but the world is very industrial in terms of industrialization. And then the politics are so freaking wild, like off the rails. Like uh, it's a weird combination of like 90s over the top hip hop culture and then this 1920s jazz era influence. And it's just so all over the place, but it has formed into this very unique world that I don't think any other combination of things can really come close to. So I, I'm always interested in how combining different aesthetics and different aspects of a world can really make a game feel so unique and otherworldly. And again, it's that immersion. That immersion is enhanced when everything is just so different from what you're normally used to. Mm -hmm. So we have a patron named Tiny Bread, and we offer our patrons the option to send their own questions to our guests. So our patron, Tiny Bread, asks, what are some tips you've got for keeping J Fashion comfortable during hot days or the days where there's a lot of walking, moving around, like during these blockbuster LARPing sessions? And then the second part of the question is, what are the best fabrics for cord pieces to keep cool during these activities? I would say for sure, like, and you know, coming from a Lolita background, there's always this thing about blouses and whether or not they are required in, in scare quotes um, for a coordinate. <laughs> I would say that if you live somewhere where it's like 100 degrees and you personally feel comfortable going without a blouse, I think that's a valid choice. Now, I will say that having a blouse can help avoid things like getting armpits, well, yeah, armpits sweat on your jumper skirt. But sometimes it's just really hot. And some jumper skirts are actually designed in a way where they look good without a blouse. Um, another option would be maybe like a short sleeved one piece so that you don't have to deal with having a second layer. A lot of times people suggest like a chiffon blouse or like a sheer blouse. And it's kind of like your mileage may vary on that. Like I definitely have had times where even though it's a sheer chiffon blouse, it's polyester, it still feels like too sweaty. 
But then I have I have another blouse yeah. that's mesh, and it it feels like I'm not wearing anything because it's mesh, so it's like half made of holes, you know. So I would say definitely maybe experimenting with different options, maybe wearing like a cutso top, like a, a simple cotton fancy t-shirt essentially might be more comfortable than a full blouse if you want to go that route. And I also highly recommend bloomers because being a person of size, my thighs are friends with each other and sometimes I got to keep them separated and the bloomers can help with the chub rub. So either bloomers or some kind of shorts underneath a skirt can be super helpful. And if you want to avoid having another layer, they do make underwear that's basically like boxers with like slightly longer leg. And, you know, maybe those aren't as like frilly as bloomers, but that's also an option to, you know, keep your area covered in case of a breeze, but also to make sure your thighs are, you know, fenced off from each other. I would also say to test your own comfort level with polyester, because like I said, sometimes even a sheer polyester blouse still feels like too sweaty. Um, I would stick to things like cotton, maybe even linen. Like I have a linen sort of chemise that I wear for like Renaissance fair stuff. And linen is very great for hot weather. Even in that chemise, which has like long sleeves, I kind of roll them up and I feel way more comfortable in that than I probably would even in like a t-shirt, to be honest. So how do you personally contend with participating in combining J fashion and LARPing while knowing that some may conflate J fashion with a costume. I know you were talking about it sort of like earlier that you're not ashamed of the, I guess the costume connection with your J fashion. So I think a lot of times that question is really an issue when you're dealing with like an uninformed public stranger, right? You know, some random mom comes up to you and it's like, what's, what's this all about? And you're just like, oh, I don't feel like explaining this to this woman. And I feel like when you're, especially when you're in the LARP and you're amongst LARPers who are mostly, you know, nerdy types, they also are not going to judge you for your clothing choices. I remember, you know, I keep talking about Armistice, but like it was life changing. So of course I'm going to keep referring to it. It was like the night before everyone was kind of hanging out in the lobby of the hotel or maybe it was even as I was walking in, like getting out of my Uber from the airport. And, you know, you could tell who was there for the LARP. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, and it, it was kind of funny because like, you know, I am a little older than a lot of my Lolita cohort, but like, especially this LARP, it was like right around my age group, but it was just really funny to be like, oh, I wonder who that group of people with like, you know, undercuts and blue hair and like nerdy t-shirts and like rockabilly dresses. I wonder who those people are and why they're all sitting together. Like that can't possibly be the people for this LARP. Like, you know, so I don't think anybody's going to judge you for either wearing J fashion when you're out of character or incorporating it into your costume. Because again, with Armistice, they wanted you to make an effort with the costume, but no, they didn't have like a requirement that you didn't have to be historically accurate. I mean, the game isn't historically accurate. They just want you to make an effort. So there were definitely like levels of people's effort they had put into it, but everyone had put in an effort. So there were people there like who had made their full outfit. There were people there who had definitely like repurposed things. I mean, there's a Facebook group and you kind of get to meet people and ask questions before the game. And they were definitely people trying to help each other out of sources to buy things. 
because, you know, everybody has a different budget. Everybody has a different body type and size concerns. People were definitely playing characters that might have a different gender presentation than they did as a player and they might need help with like masculine or feminine or non-gender conforming historical like you know that's like a question like how do I portray this person who is you know agender but also have sort of the feeling of historical accuracy so like no one is going to judge you for having J fashion elements to your costuming like or they shouldn't judge you not I can't say no one will judge you there's there there are people in the world who are judgy people but like I don't think it should be like a big concern. Let's put it that way. And I also um, feel like what you were talking about earlier with you do separate your personal style somewhat from what you end up wearing at these uh, LARP events, depending on what the character is like, making things suited for them. And then with your personal fashion, while you do pull some things from it, if you really liked something that was a part of a different character, but mostly you're kind of like these are my two kind of areas right now of style and and that's me. <laughs> it was really funny because one of the exercises that they do at the end of the game where you kind of are de-rolling and kind of getting back into you as a person and like kind of leaving the character behind in a positive way. And one of the exercises that they often use was like a piece of your costuming or something that you would leave behind. And I'm like, I'm not leaving this behind. I pay good money for this. I am wearing this again. But that's just me. You know, like I like to use things. <laughs> so what are the reactions from your LARPing compatriots to the clothes and costumes that you bring? Do they ever feel like it's not a proper costume for the event? I mean, I, I got really positive reactions. Um, I went all out on my ball gown for the first armistice. And it was funny because I was stressing about it because I wanted to make like a really historically accurate Victorian gown. And then I was like, I don't really have time. And I'm kind of like getting in my own way on figuring out how I'm going to have this thing that is hard to get on myself when I'm wearing it, let alone the process of like making it and fitting it and making sure and you know, the corsetry and all of that. So I bought an off the rack corset that was like, good enough. The horror. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I was kind of like, how am I going to make this like ball gown bodice and I bought like a pattern and all this. And then I was like, why am I doing this to myself? I can just use the skirt pattern for the like historically accurate ball gown skirt. And then take my jumper skirt pattern and make like the bodice just basically a Lolita jumper skirt and then wear my Atelier Piero blouse under it and call it good. And it looks great and I don't regret it. And now you have another piece to add to your wardrobe. Yeah, because I have leftover like the, the skirt for the ball gown is like it has a train because, you know, my character is extra. Like I literally walked into the ball and had like this cape on and then dropped it dramatically behind me. So <laughs> I felt so bad. I had to like talk to him beforehand and be like, I'm so sorry to ask you this, but is it okay if I do this? And one of the things about that game is that each faction has a facilitator who is like a person playing a character, but they're there to like help you with role play ideas if you get stuck or if you want to interact with somebody in a different faction and you're like, I don't know how my character would talk to them. They're just sort of like there to help you, you know, mediate all that stuff. Because our faction was very, you know, wealthy people. He, he was portraying our butler. 
So I was like, can I walk in there and dramatically drop my cape on the floor? And he's like, yeah, and I'll come pick it up for you. And I was like, oh, thank you. I feel really like a jerk even asking you. But he's like, I'm your butler. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I walk he in. He on up behind you, grabs it, starts throwing roses behind you. He was great, too, because he was like the best, like, sarcastic butler. Like, he had this giant fan, and he would clack his fan if he needed to, like, get our attention as a faction and then when I went to the other game and I wasn't in that faction he was still the facilitator and I would hear the fan clack and I would immediately be like oh wait that that that's not for me I'm not (laughs) what a great signal I love that it's like it's like the dog clicker yeah (laughs) so yeah it it was really you know I try wanted to make an impression with that dress and I I'm very proud of it it's it's on my Instagram it's like one of my most reacted photos because it's like I'm on this like stairwell with the train behind me and then last year I was in Germany on this tour with my mom and we were in some like palatial residence and they had this grand staircase and you know we're on this tour and we're walking up and the tour guide is like ladies you'll have to imagine what it's like to walk up the staircase with a grand gown behind you and I was like I don't have to imagine I've done that to imagine bitch no okay we probably have to bleep that out um (laughs) no we don't (laughs) so like we are an adult podcast don't you forget it 16 plus (laughs) oh man that's awesome so with that like i know you include a lot of like gothic or classic lolita Um, Are there other styles that could be incorporated into events? Because it sounds like a lot of the events are like, oh, this Victorian, Edwardian, this elegant or the past. And that's what I hear, too. when When I think of LARPing, I'm thinking of medieval times or just always the past. And then you were talking about something about there was one with a school that happened in modern day. Like, I'm just thinking, what... Are there other styles that could be incorporated into these events? Yeah, and that that magical school, since it was in modern times, there were definitely people doing all kinds of different styles. I mean, there was like definitely seemed like a lot of people were kind of going with this like baby goth kind of aesthetic. Um, But there were definitely like there was um, so like LARP House was one of the people who was a YouTuber who was there and like their aesthetic was very like 80s influenced like Mork from Ork. <laughs> um, so they were wearing like rainbow suspenders and like there was somebody who was portraying like a, a Lolita vampire. There were people who were doing steampunk. There were people who were doing like just regular punk. I mean, there was kind of a little bit of everything. And there's definitely, I haven't played a more fantastical game yet. I actually, again, trying new experiences and like trying to increase my skills. I joined the staff of a game that is a little bit more of the running around outside, hitting each other with foam swords kind of game, but it's a post-apocalyptic game, which is another really popular genre of LARP. So with post-apocalyptic, like that's a whole other level of costuming that you can get into like kind of cyberpunk or like industrial kind of, or, or even a military influence. So yeah, I would really like to play like a more fantasy-based game that isn't necessarily like a medievalish fantasy but just like just you know fairies or fae i was also supposed again it was like all the things that could have been i was supposed to go to a hobbit larp this year which was also like i was just really looking forward to making my hobbit outfit and i was talking to the organizers about potentially 
um, teaching sewing in character, like doing like patchwork, because I feel like that would be a thing that hobbits would do. Yeah, there's all kinds of games in different genres. So I just happened to kind of get sucked into like a Victorian one as my first game. But like, I am definitely interested in exploring other options and things. And I think it would be really cool to do like our our Monster Hearts game is like sort of vaguely set in the 90s and that would be a really fun thing to costume like fully costume because I do sort of a like a half-assed costume for my character she's just like a mall goth but um um it's just basically a wig and lipstick and like things again things I already owned because I'm kind of goth but it would be really cool to just you know you could totally be a decor character at a LARP like that is a thing that you could work in like it just maybe isn't great for all for every, you know, like yeah. there there was a LARP in Europe that looked really intense that was Downton Abbey themed. I've also seen some that are like Jane Austen themed. That's maybe not the character, the game to bring a Decora character to. You know, imagine what like a post-apocalyptic Decora character would be. Oh yeah, that would be fun to do. You know, like there's so many things you could Even do. Even with like that witch school we did a post on emptying the clips comic on like instagram the comic thing that i'm working on with monique someone commented about being called a witch while they're in decora and we were talking about like oh my gosh we could be like rainbow witches and thinking about that magical school i'm just like oh man i could be a rainbow witch or i can come dressed in fairy k and be like oh i'm mahau k you know bring that back for this there was a larp it was like a superhero school and I feel like people were definitely playing with some of those ideas in that. Yeah, there's all kinds. There's pirate LARP that happens on a ship. I mean, there's like all kinds of things. There was also, again, another thing that was supposed to happen this year that got postponed. Um, this was by the same people who run Armistice Arcane. And I think it was kind of like a casual, it was almost like a casual hangout LARP. Um, but it was a 90s prom for alternative kids. And I based my whole character aesthetics on Riot Girl. And I basically based it on these girls that I was um, looked up to in high school, but wasn't like, I remember when it came time for prom, I thought it was so cool because I had a black dress and then (laughs) they roll up as a crew in like vintage. And I was like, oh, (laughs) totally going to roll up to this LARP in a vintage dress. My Doc Martens that I still have from when I was in high school in the 90s because I'm old. And, like, my Bikini Kill demo tape that, again, I have because I am old. And, you know, like, just, like, live out the idealized version of, like, 17-year-old me (laughs) or whatever. Wow. That sounds amazing. This whole conversation is just, like, I need to get into this. (laughs) I kind of want everyone to get into it because it's awesome. And I feel like it only improves when there's more perspectives being brought to it. Again, the stereotype of LARP is that it's for, like, you know, white dudes. That is sort of true. Like, there are a lot of white dudes who LARP, but that's not the only people who LARP and I feel like the more people who get into it even other white dudes because you know there are cool white dudes the more people who get into it it just improves the game especially when we talk about games that have mechanics in place for safety and consent and are thoughtful about player safety and having a good time emotionally and I think it's just it's really fun and I want everyone to have fun (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's got to be boring for the white dudes. Like, if it's just like, all right, we're only white dudes here. We're doing magic school. I mean, there are definitely some games that need to do a little bit of work yeah. on their mechanics and their player base. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, there are some games that are problematic. Like, and it's a work in progress. There are games that are getting better, you know? And there's always new games. There's a game called Velvet Noir that is based in an alternate 1920s, and all of the factions are based on marginalized communities. And they actually have hired staff writers from those communities um, because, you know, they want to pay people to tell their stories. And so it's about, you know, what does it look like to be, you know, Black or gay or Jewish or Hispanic or Asian? And also like a gangster in the 1920s and have these interactions with like the cops that show up who are the NPCs. Not every game is for everyone. I'm really interested in that game, but it might be a little too heavy for me. I think I'm more into the like fantastical, like glittery stuff. But like, it's really cool that that game exists. And I think it's really important that that game exists. And I think there need to be more options for people that have different backgrounds and stories to tell. I think that the repercussions of having such a limited scope of voices and perspectives in these communities is only just now really starting to come undone. Like, for example, Wizards of the Coast, the creators behind D&D, like one of the most well-known tabletop RPGs, is only now taking out the concept of, quote, evil races in the game throughout the entire history of D&D up until 2020, like dark elves were considered evil and goblinoids were considered evil. And in the past 10 years, we've had an influx of people playing characters of these fantastical races as anything but the evil spectrum of alignments. And they're finally taking note of this. And honestly, the only people who I can think that would make evil races would be cishet white men. Yeah, and that's definitely a thing that's happening in LARP too, because like imagine what happens when you cross over that sort of fantasy genre into playing in person, and it's like there are games that are needing to now make rules about the costuming for like, if you're playing a dark elf or a drow, like maybe don't blackface. And it definitely is a thing that happens. It's definitely a thing that happens in a lot of European games, because I don't feel like they... I don't want a blanket statement about everybody, but like there are definitely people who don't feel like it matters to them or that they place more importance on their game history than other people's feelings. So it's definitely yeah. something to look out for. Like if you are a new player and you want to get into LARP, I would definitely highly recommend looking into the rule book and making sure that there is some kind of statement in there that they are welcoming to players from different backgrounds that they don't allow discrimination. Something in there about consent mechanics and making sure that you need to talk to the player before you do something physical to them or emotional to them, that they have something at the beginning of the game where people can learn the mechanics and practice them. Like these are all really important. And I think that a lot of games, if not most games, would have some of those aspects. It's just that you wanna make sure that you look into it and that you're not, you know, setting yourself up in a bad situation because players are more important than games. So you want to make sure that you're safe and that you're in a good community. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's going into like our last question about the advice you have for those wanting to get into LARPing, using their J fashion skills, or just in general. I would definitely suggest trying to do some research ahead of time. There's definitely resources out there for new players. There is a Discord server called Make Believe, which is also attached to a Twitch show. Uh, where they interview, you know, players, and they're trying to talk about the interaction between LARP and tabletop role-playing. And I think that that Discord server is a great resource, and I can give you guys the links to, like, put up for um, any of this and the YouTube channels I talked about. I think that, you know, just familiarizing yourself with a game that you're interested in and trying to, you know, figure out ahead of time if this is going to be, like, a safe space for you. A lot of games that I've been involved with have been super welcoming of new players and trying to make sure that people are comfortable, whether that's having a Discord server or a Facebook group so that you can meet people ahead of time and ask your questions and get help with your costumes or help with your characters or help build you know, character interactions before you get there, all that kind of stuff. I definitely think the best advice I can give is to try to take advantage of all of those resources as much as you can kind of like look before you leap kind of thing because like even though I jumped in full steam ahead on this way to mix a metaphor there um (laughs) you know I did try to like sort of figure out what I was getting into before I got into it so I basically voraciously watched every episode of any YouTube I could find about LARP I found a podcast about LARP I just looked at anything I could to just try to like find out as much information as I could and there is a lot out there and you know, just try to do research ahead of time and it'll help you feel more comfortable before you get in into the game. Jordana, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's really awesome to have you back and having your perspective once more. LARPing is something that is personally close to my heart, so I enjoy talking about it and sharing it with more people as well, especially when it's in connection to J-Fashion. Like, this is a whole, I wouldn't say it's completely new to me, but it's definitely something that I haven't explored well enough, and I want to explore it with others, and I want others to explore it as well. So thank Thank you so much. If people listening to the podcast want to get in contact with your content, I know you're going to be maybe entering into some more things about LARP in your content or your Lolita J Fashion brand. Um, how can they do that? I am Moss Badger in most places. I'm most active on Instagram. I occasionally post on Twitter. That's where I do most of my like LARP stuff, but I don't post that much on there. Um, But um, I also have a Patreon where I'm supposed to be talking about LARP, but I'm just really bad at updating it. Like, I need to be better about it. Um, So I would say Instagram is the best place. Um, If you want to see my very nerdy Pinterest boards that I make for my characters, my Pinterest is under Payettes, which is P-A-I-L-L-E-T-T-E-S which is a historical word for sequins. Um, And I have Pinterest boards there for most of my characters, um, if you want to see those. But yeah, Instagram's probably my most active place to find me under Moss Badger. And if our listeners out there want to find out more about our characters that we use for LARPing and tabletop RPGs, please head on over to our Patreon and become a $3 a month patron. In our Patreon this month, we are going to be giving everyone a little introduction to uh, a character of ours that we really enjoy. So that is going to be a fun little segment. And with that, This has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name is Kamila. And my name is Jordana. 
we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.